Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's not quite over yet. The Montreal Canadiens avoided... The embarrassment of losing in four games in the Stanley Cup final, I think we'd call it that. Leaning on their vaunted penalty kill to survive three short-handed minutes to begin overtime in game four of the Stanley Cup final before Josh Anderson bookended the scoring in the game, scoring his second of the night early in overtime and answering a Pat Maroon goal just for good measure. It's the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Justin Cuthbert with you. Yes, there will be a game five in Tampa Bay on Wednesday night, much to the delight of the city's mayor. And I don't want to say that was in the mind of the team, because it wasn't. And I don't want to say it we, it was because, you know, the loved ones were denied passage across the border to potentially celebrate a cup championship in Montreal. But we know what the best version of the Lightning looks like. We know what it looks like when the incentive is there or urgency is, is in the moment for them. And this just wasn't it. Not to say they should be urgent. They're up 3-0 in the series. But the Stanley Cup was on the line, and they did not put their best foot forward. And again, it's not because the Lightning weren't trying. Montreal did some great things in the game, and we'll talk about some of the lineup decisions and their impacts. But I will say, the incentive will be there in Game 5. Another chance to win the Cup, to repeat as Stanley Stanley Cup champions, a full house in Tampa Bay, Family, loved ones in the building, of course, champagne on ice in their own dressing room, and the world at their fingertips, unlike last season when they won their first Stanley Cup together in the secure zone inside a bubble away from COVID-19 in Edmonton, Alberta. So the best effort, the one we're accustomed to seeing from Tampa Bay, I am sure we will see that in Game 5. But again... This was not about what Tampa Bay didn't do. This game, this Game 4 victory for the Montreal Canadiens, was about what the Canadiens did. And a lot of that is what the coach did in preparation for the game. I mean, he had 48 hours to prepare. This is only his second game of the series. He was away for two weeks when he was dealing with his own COVID-19 absence. Um, But an extra day to prepare and an extra day to put thought into things certainly changed things for the Montreal Canadiens. And as I mentioned on the podcast last time, and again, that was after watching Tampa Bay just sort of wipe the floor with them in Game 3 and look like this one wasn't going to a Game 5, I just didn't know what they could do. I'm not sure what the move was. Clearly, they needed something to change, but it seemed like the obvious answers weren't there. But 
Dominique Ducharme went into the lab and it seemed every decision he made worked out pretty well or at least produced results both good and bad with the good slightly outweighing the bad I guess so let's recap he moved Tyler Toffoli to the top line to play with Phil Deneau and Brendan Gallagher he moved Josh Anderson into Toffoli's space to play with Nick Suzuki and uh, Cole Caulfield and then he took Jesperi Kotkaniemi out of the lineup to make room for Jake Evans to create a third line, I guess, that was intended to take away some of the defensive minutes from Phil Deneau and just be reliable as a third line shutdown line, which is normally what we see from a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning, who leans on their third line for energy and defense and, and things of that nature. So with all those changes, it left the fourth line intact, and that's probably for good reason, because they've been pretty good in their matchup at least. But what stuck out for Montreal as it made all these changes was the move with Anderson to the second line, both good and bad, as I mentioned. The line had two goals. It was also on the ice for two goals against, and they were destroyed in their primary head-to-head matchup against the Lightning third line, uh, which is probably the best in the business and has been dominant throughout these entire playoffs. But Anderson with Caulfield and Suzuki, who are the best two offensive players, and Anderson has had moments as well, but is playing with two players or has been playing with two players who wouldn't be considered uh, dominant forces offensively by any means. He's had to do a lot of it by himself. Uh, But now playing with these two best players, he had a chance to have more of an impact, and he did. Josh Anderson was clearly a difference of the game, scoring the first goal, which gave Montreal a lead it hadn't had in the Stanley Cup playoffs yet, or Stanley Cup final yet, rather. Big, big moment. It allowed Montreal to play its game. And then, of course, scoring the overtime winner speaks for itself. A big moment. So, Anderson, Suzuki, and Caulfield, I'm sure we'll see together in Game 5. But again, they have to consider the bad that came with that. And that was getting dominated, getting scored on. uh, And it's going to take them to score goals, perhaps, to make that matchup work. And in Tampa, surely that's not a given. But we shall see how Dominique Ducharme evaluates their performance. Um, Also changes to the defense core. Big changes. Uh, He brought Alexander Romanov in and Brett Kulak in. And like the Anderson line, good and bad, right? Alexander Romanov scores his first. He's the youngest youngest defenseman to score in the Stanley Cup final, but obviously he scored first in the series, first game of the series. A huge goal in what looked like it was going to be that surprise difference maker in the game. Of course, though, the bad was coming, and Brett Kulak got caught um, way up ice in the neutral zone for no reason while Montreal was protecting a lead with just over six minutes left, and Romanov and Kulak, who weren't supposed to play together and didn't play together much, were because of some personnel problems with some penalties and some offsetting minors that were going on, uh, got caught out there on the ice, and Romanov didn't play the two-on-one probably as good as he liked, but it was more so the Kulak pinch at a terrible moment. And so there was the, give, the good and the bad, the give and take with the new defenseman that came in. But it was more than just that because Kulov, Kulak and Roman, Romanov, I guess Kulov would be their combined name. Uh, Kulak and Roma, Romanov, um, you know, they weren't supposed to play together. Romanov played most of his five on five minutes with Shea Weber. And I think that's the key here. They, I think Montreal decided after the three games that They couldn't be a two-pairing team against Tampa Bay. They couldn't just waste minutes with their bottom pair and keep them off the ice. Now, there's going to be some elements of that. They probably wouldn't be better off taking Kulak away during the third period when they were protecting that lead. But to be their best selves, they needed a little bit more, more contributions 
from the six defensemen that they were going to ice. Number five and six couldn't be boat anchors, and Romanov is not a boat anchor. He's a guy that can play with Shea Weber, and they played pretty well together. And he scored a big goal, a big moment. So I think in game five, again, I think we'll see the same thing with Romanov getting some minutes, a lot of minutes with Shea Weber probably, but when it gets down to it, if they get a lead, if they have a, if they can get in a position where the game's within the, within the balance, I think they shorten the bench and go with those four defensemen who they rely so heavily on to get to this point. Um, but to start the game with the four, I think they realized that wasn't good enough, and getting Romanov in the game, who's clearly the most talented of their depth defensemen, uh, made a difference, at least on this night. What really made the difference in this game was that penalty kill that I mentioned off the top. And first and foremost... We have to give credit to Joel Edmondson and Ben Sherratt, two of those defensemen that they've leaned on so heavily, who opened overtime in this game with three minutes and 20 seconds straight. Now, there was a timeout in there and maybe a questionable timeout on the part of Tampa Bay because it allowed Sherratt and Edmondson probably to stay on the ice to kill off the final or help kill off the final 30 seconds, which was against that number one power play unit. But this was such a key in the game. Those three minutes and 20 seconds were massive because it came with Shea Weber in the box. And Shea Weber, it was a deserved penalty. It was a bad, you know, it was it was a terrible high stick. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't egregious or malicious uh, would be the proper word by any means. But it was a legitimate high stick and deserved to be called, even if the referees, you could tell, really didn't want to call it because they didn't want to call a penalty that late in the game. And it was so late that three of the minute, three minutes of the four-minute major were in overtime. So you've got the Tampa Bay Lightning, maybe the best power play team of the last five, ten years, if you look at it on balance. Just a dominant unit with two guys on the flanks who are dominant scorers. And Victor Hedman at the point, Braden Point in the middle. Like, this is not how you want to start overtime with your season and the series, the Stanley Cup final, on the line. Clean ice for this unit as well. And without your best penalty killer in Shea Weber. But Sherrod and Edmondson, in addition to the five-man rotation at the forward group, not only killed off the penalty, there were some chances for Tampa Bay, but produced the best chance in that five-on-four scenario with Nick Suzuki almost getting one behind Andre Vasilevsky, who made a great save uh, on a counter rush from the Montreal Canadiens while shorthanded. And, you know... It felt like a fitting way, very apropos for the Tampa Bay Lightning to sort of win a Stanley Cup walk-off style in overtime on a power play, given that they've been such a dominant power play team for so long and they have the, that's what their great players are known for, their power play prowess. But it would have been a real cruel way for Montreal to lose that way because they have done such an amazing job on the penalty kill in these playoffs. It's one of the main reasons they're in the Stanley Cup final right now. They killed off their 50th power play in the postseason earlier in the game. They've done amazing work all playoffs long, and it was truly a showcase for Edmondson, for Sherrod, and for those forwards who killed that penalty and set and set the table, really, for Josh Anderson to score the goal that extended the series uh, just a few minutes later. For the Tampa Bay side on that power play, where was the urgency? I mean, where was the urgency of the game, but where was the urgency with that power play? Now, I know it's not ideal to start a period on the power play. It's kind of weird. you got to set up. You're not really into the game yet. Sounds like an excuse, though, to be honest. But still, I mean, they couldn't enter the zone. They wasted the first minute, got off the ice. Second unit came on. They were, they did, you know, 
it produced a chance, which is what you probably want from your second. You're not these aren't your your top guys, but they got into the zone at least, something the top line couldn't do. And when they got back on the ice, they did have a couple chances, but still, three minutes, clean sheet of ice, the best players on your roster in their best position to score a goal. And it didn't seem like that killer instinct was there from Tampa. It was a little bit shocking, honestly, uh, that Tampa didn't produce more out of that three-minute stretch. Uh, Looking ahead, I guess we got to start with the Lightning because usually we talk about what the losing team has to do. And this is the first time we've had to discuss Tampa in this this way. Um, And you got to wonder if Alex Kaloran gets back in the game as we look to what might change for Game 5. I don't think... You know, the, the line is the lines are not going to change at all. This is the Tampa Bay Lightning are what they are. They are a well-oiled machine, and this is just a minor bump of the road, you would think. But if there's one thing missing, it is contributions from Steven Stamkos. He's been very quiet since the opening game. No points in the last three. One shot per game, not one at even strength in game four in the loss. Uh, I think Alex Kalorn's loss, you know, in the series, took a, a shot block, I believe, in game one and didn't make it in the lineup for the next three games. I think that's been a big deal for that second line, which did not perform very well in game four in its altered state against that third line for the Canadians that was just put together. So Kalorn took warm up, skated pregame, but did not make the lineup in the end for John Cooper. So I wonder, he is close, clearly, or he wouldn't have been in warm up, wouldn't have been skating. Uh, I would probably bet that he gets into the lineup for game two, and hopefully that gives, from at least a lightning perspective, uh, Steven Stamkos a little bit of a boost. For Montreal, again, I, I kind of said it when I was mentioning the uh, the changes earlier, you got to consider the bad with what happened with the changes and how it might be exacerbated a little bit by Tampa having last change and being at home and being maybe a little angry that they didn't get things done in game four. But you have to outscore the Tampa Bay Lightning if you're going to win. Clearly, that's the obvious, the most obvious thing I've said so far. you got to outscore the opponent to win the game. And I think Josh Anderson with Suzuki and Caulfield, which is the best offensive partnership they have, gives them the best chance to score goals. Now, can they be a better, little bit better defensively? Well, they're going to have to be, probably. Or I mean, they can't risk getting completely caved in by the Lightning third line again if they hope to win the game because you can't score with can't produce only a few looks and score with all of them. So as good as Suzuki's been, he's had moments at every game in every game so far. Caulfield's had his moments as well. Hasn't broken out from a goal scoring perspective just yet, but if those three can put another strong effort, full three zone effort together, then that might be the best way for Montreal to steal one in game five, but it will require probably carry price to be a big part of that. I mean, he hasn't stolen a game yet. He hasn't stolen a game in a long time, it seems, in these playoffs. Montreal has been full value for their wins, and Carey Price hasn't you know, stood on his head, really, uh, in recent memory here, to steal a game for Montreal. And you feel like if they're going to force a game six, Carey Price has to be brilliant in game five because we know the counterpunch is coming from Tampa, and we know it's going to have some strength behind it. So can Carey Price step up, steal one, force a game six in Montreal and really put the urgency into Tampa Bay? We shall see. Game five is Wednesday night. I can't say I expected it, but I can't wait for it. It's the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. It rolls on with the Stanley Cup final. 
Tampa Bay now leading 3-1 after a loss in Game 4 and a failure to sweep. Josh Anderson with the overtime winner for Montreal. And it's on to Game 5. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 